Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell from the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego, California. Each week we provide spiritual leadership to our growing community, as well as bringing positive change into people's lives. If this message speaks to your heart, please consider helping to support our dedication by making a one-time or recurring donation now. Poise under pressure, when I say that to you, is there anything in your life that comes up, any situations you're dealing with right now where maybe you're feeling some pressure or the desire to find a different way to be with it? And if not now, can you think of a recent example? I bet, I bet we all can. So the idea of poise under pressure, the idea of being able to redirect life's energy, I shared with you last week that this series is built in part on some of the things that I experienced and learned when I took up the martial art of Aikido for a few years. Aikido is a martial art that is truly unlike most any other. It was founded by a Japanese man, his name was Moriai Ushiba. At the time, as a young man, he had practiced pretty much all of the popular martial arts of the day and became extremely skilled in all of them. But he was also a deeply spiritual person. And there was a, a point in one sort of match that he was in where he came to a realization that winning over force wasn't really winning. And he sought to find a way to blend his spiritual beliefs with some form of, of martial art, to find expression through, through it. And my taking up the practice of Aikido was my deep desire to try to feel in my body some of the concepts and principles that we teach spiritually. Principles like being centered, principles like being in flow, principles of being strong and also being tender, being strong and also being open. And I shared, I think, last week that I came to, to hear about Aikido when I invited a gentleman to present a workshop at our church many, many years ago. His name was Tom Crum. He uh, wrote a book called The Magic of Conflict, and he taught from his practice of Aikido. He was a several-level black belt Aikidoist, and he would go into corporations and teach employees and management and executives how to better deal with people problems, which show up everywhere, right? They show up in, in our work environments, they show up in our communities, in our schools, even in our spiritual centers and churches, because we have difficulty sometimes dealing with each other. People problems are, are pretty, pretty significant. And so through the things I had learned from Tom Crum and his book, and then my desire to try to feel some of these ideas in my body, I thought, I'm gonna take up this, this practice. And the kinds of things that I learned are the things that we do teach in metaphysics, metaphysics. This idea and this ability to be able to redirect our energy and redirect um, the circumstances of our lives when they are difficult 
and problematic. To find a way to be able to be at peace, centered and calm, no matter what is going on around us. Does that make sense? Is that not something that feels like really, really practical, right? To be able to be centered, to be able to be clear-headed, clear-minded and open-hearted, no matter what's going on. It doesn't mean that we let life run over us, not at all. But it does mean that we know that and have developed skills that allow us to meet the different circumstances that we find ourselves in, in a more effective way. Much like the quote that I read to you of Ushiba where he writes about, depending upon the circumstances, sometimes one needs to be strong as a diamond, or flexible as a willow, or smooth flowing as water, or open as space. No matter what our practice is, whether it's meditation or some form of religion or, or, or practice like the, the martial art of Aikido, it ought to leave us be, being more capable of living our life more fully. It ought to leave us being wiser, more skilled, and to have at our, at our disposal more ways of dealing with life. This idea of redirecting life's energy, to me, comes from the shape in Aikido of the circle. I shared last week that Aikido as a martial art can be visualized with at least three shapes. I've added a fourth shape. The shapes being the square, which we looked at last week, and not so much the idea of a square, but the, the idea being to have a solid foundation to move forward. In, in life and in Aikido, much like in yoga, there are certain poses and practices that help you build a very stable foundation so that you can feel that and you can be supported by that. In Aikido, next week we'll be taking a look at this idea of the triangle, which is a shape that has to do with meeting and entering or stepping into. And we can think of how that applies to certain situations in our life, where we know we can't just sit on the sidelines, where we've got to actually be proactive and step in, but step in skillfully and in the best sort of way. The spiral is the one that I've added, which to me has to do with the life force and the life energy, or the chi, which we'll deal with in the very last of this series. But today, it's the, the shape of the circle. And if you've ever watched Aikido, raise your hand or nod your head if you've ever either practiced it or you've watched it. Okay, if you haven't, Google it and, and see if you can find one of the higher level um, demonstrations of Aikido where there are several supposedly opponents, but that's the not the right language for the art of Aikido because Aikido is not about downing your opponent. It's about being able to protect yourself from harm if harm is coming your way, but also to, to um, redirect the energy of the opposer, if you will, and not harm the opposer. But if you look at Aikido when it's being practiced and even when it's being taught, it's very circular. It's almost like a dance. It's very, very fluid. It has everything to do with being able to take something in and gently move it around and redirect it. And in Aikido, there isn't any sense really of a competition or winners or losers. It's not even a sport. It is much more like a dance. 
in one of the readings of, that I shared with you this morning was the idea of, of being able to transform what one might think of as an enemy through the extension of love and kindness. Does that not sound deeply spiritual? It is deeply spiritual. I'm reminded of, of something I'd learned so many years ago about the ancient Egyptian ruler Ptolemy. He was a powerful ruler, um, but he was also severely criticized for the way that he would handle those that were caught in battle, prisoners that were taken in, in battle. He was criticized because in his day, what you did with a prisoner that you, or what you did with an opponent that you caught in battle is you killed him. And he didn't. He tried to befriend them. And he was severely criticized for this. But his retort was, what? Do I not destroy my enemies when I befriend them? Do I not destroy my enemies when I befriend them? And of course, the answer is yes. Here's a quote from Morii that I want to build some, some content around. It's the idea that to attack is to be out of control. Think about that for a moment. To attack is to be out of control. In a book called The Art of Peace, which is another way of describing the martial art of Aikido, it's built on harmony and love, but in the book The Art of Peace, it's written, we never attack. An attack is proof that one is out of control. Think of the last time that the energy of attack might have arisen in you. And I'm not suggesting that you were ready to attack someone physically. But have you ever had the experience of being so frustrated and angry on the road that you could feel the energy of that rising up? Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Am I the only one that's ever felt that? When somebody's like nearly cut me off or, or was driving? OK, so I'm not the only one, at least one or two of you. So you know what I'm talking about with that, that feeling that comes up, that energy of just wanting to lash out. So keep that in mind as you hear these words. In the art of peace, we never attack. Attack is proof that one is out of control. Never run away from a challenge. Never run away from any kind of challenge, but do not try to suppress or control an opponent unnaturally. Let attackers come any way they like and then blend with them. Never chase after opponents, redirect each attack and get firmly behind it. Redirect and get firmly behind it. Firmly the other, other way around it. As I was thinking about just this one part of the quote, to attack is to be out of control. I thought about, well, what, what happens inside of me when I feel that energy rising up of wanting to attack because I, I have felt threatened or I have, I have been afraid? And I realized that's true. It's, it is evidence that I am out of control. It is evidence that I have limited my options of how to respond. And I'm responding in only a win-lose energy. Remember earlier this year, we took a, a deep exploration into Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right? And one of, that, one of the habits is seeking win-win. 
And it's, it's so easy to make that just a cliche and just a saying, but it is this idea of getting around the energy of the attack. How do we do that? We blend with it. We blend with it. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when somebody pushes you? What do you do when someone pushes you? The most common response of what we usually do when someone pushes us is we push back. We push back. In the martial art of Aikido, you don't push back. You enter and you blend. We'll be looking at entering next week, but you blend. What does that mean, though, in our life? Because we're not practicing Aikido, and believe me, I'm not trying to convince any of you to take up the sport of, it's not a sport, the art of Aikido. But it is grounded in our very spiritual principles and can help us feel it in our body. So how do you do that? You do that by being able to move into it and to redirect it, to not push back on it. It's very much the same thing that Covey was talking about when he talked about to seek win-win, that there are options that are beyond just, when, when we push back, we shut down our options. When we push back and attack, whether it is a physical or in most cases for us, it would be more of a verbal or a situational pushing back. When we push back, instead of finding a way to entering in and blending, we leave ourselves fewer and fewer options. The options that we leave ourselves are either win, lose, lose, win, or stalemate. And none of those are particularly effective. I want to read something to you. It's a little bit longer than I usually read in a, in a talk. It comes from the book, The Way of Aikido, and it's written by a master. His name is George Leonard. I've taught from some of his other work before, The Keys and the Clues to Mastery. But in this, he says, it could be said that the health of an individual or organization is generally directly proportionate to the number of perceived options at its command. The converse is also true. When an individual or organization moves toward breakdown, that move is generally accompanied by the perception of fewer and fewer options. Put it in a personal term. Think about a relationship maybe at work or at home because it applies there as well. When an individual or an organization moves towards breakdown, that move is generally accompanied by the perception of fewer and fewer options. Isn't it strange then that when we're being pushed, we've limited ourselves to a response that results in only three options, none of them particularly good. I win, you lose. You win, I lose. Or we're at a stalemate. He says, what's the alternative? To deal with any kind of push, whether a shove or a strike or a kick, the Aikidoist generally moves toward the attacker and slightly off the line of attack, simultaneously making a turning maneuver that leaves him or her next to the attacker and facing in the same direction. In this position, the Aikidoist is looking at the situation from the attacker's point of view. Does that not sound very similar to Covey's teaching before the practice right before win-win is seek first to understand, then to be understood? How do you seek to, uh, 
genuinely, authentically seek to understand another. You have to listen, right? You have to be open and take in. You don't have to agree with it, but you have to at least take in what is being said with the desire to try to understand. It is, in essence, the same thing that the Aikidoist is doing on the mat. They are coming in slightly off to the side and coming around so they can see from the same viewing point as the attacker. Can you see the connection? Can you see the connection? He goes on to say it's important here to add one more phrase to that statement. The Aikidoist is looking at the situation from the attacker's viewpoint without giving up his or her own viewpoint. This entering and blending maneuver immediately multiplies your options. Immediately multiplies your options. Thousands of techniques and variations have been identified in Aikido, all of which become more possible because you have blended. The same thing is true when you blend verbally, when instead of meeting a verbal attack with a verbal counterattack, you respond first by coming around to your attacker's point of view, seeing the situation from his or her viewpoint. This response, whether physical or verbal, is disarming, leaving the attacker with no target to focus on. Right? Because you've no target to focus on. At that point, numerous options present themselves, including, best of all, the clear possibility of a reconciliation that meets the needs of both parties. As I was working on this, again, and many of you know I prepare my, my messages many, many months in advance, and then the week of, I pull them out and I read them to myself, and think about, well, how does that live in me today, and what examples can I think of that might be uh, more personal? And as I was thinking about this idea of what does it mean of blending and coming around to the viewing point of the other, one of the examples that came to mind that was so powerful and um, important at the time it came up in my life and in the life of our church was when we were in the process of trying to secure our financing to be able to buy this building and then build this building out. We had secured a, a loan. We were in a, a promissory note drive as, as well. And both of those things together were going to give us what we needed for the down payment and for the building out of, of our space. But at, in all that process that took me seconds to describe took months and months and months of hard work in front of the scenes and behind the scenes to get that to that point. But at the very 11th hour, when all of the money that had been put down as soft deposits had become hard deposits and well over $100,000 had been invested in just trying to get the finances together and, and be able to move forward and actually buy, buy the building, our primary lender said, well, yes, we'll still lend you the 1.4 that you need, but we're not going to allow you to use the promissory notes to meet the, the margin that you need to, to meet, which meant that they weren't going to be able to loan us unless we could go way, way more because we'd never done a capital campaign before. And so at the 11th hour, they said to our attorney and to our developer, who then said to me, time to give up. We had been pushing and trying and efforting, which was all right up to that point. 
Remember the quote from Ushiba, depending upon the circumstances, sometimes you have to be as hard as a diamond, sometimes as, as soft as a willow, sometimes as smooth flowing as water, and other times, help me out, as, as open as space, as open as space. We had employed all of those things in the changing circumstances over the year plus of trying to put all of this together. And at the 11th hour, being hard as a diamond wasn't working. The only thing that worked was blending. And I remember vividly saying to our attorney and our develop, developer, well, God hasn't told me that we're supposed to give up. You don't want, attorneys and developers don't always understand that kind of language. Because they were told by the owner, or by, the, by B.C. Ziegler, our lender, you know, we can't approve you, so just walk away from, from all of your effort and the money. And my answer was, well, God hasn't told me that. So, but the blending was when, out of my mouth, and though it came through my mouth, I, I know it was a God job, were the words, well, then ask them what they will approve. Can you sense the entering, right? Ask them what they will approve. It was coming around exactly to trying to look at it from their point of view. Does, am I making sense the way I'm describing that? No sooner did our developer say that to the powers that were at B.C. Ziegler, and they said, oh, well, if you do this, this, and this, we can, we can go forward. We would not be here in this beautiful facility that we call our home without this idea of entering and blending. It's very much like what Jesus talked about, I think, when he talked about turning the other cheek. When, he's, when he talked about when you're slapped on one side of the face, to turn the other cheek. What happens when you turn the other cheek? Too often we focus, people have focused on, well, that just means to be a doormat. That just means to be abused. No, it doesn't. It's, it's a mystical teaching. When we turn, the, turn your other cheek right now, what happens? Your viewing point has changed, right? Your viewing point has changed. This is so practical for us in our relationships. If we're having challenges with, with a, a child or with a partner, uh, a lover, a business colleague, a neighbor, to be able to still maintain our viewpoint, but to be able to enter and be slightly off the line of attack, if you will, and come around to be able to see from the other point of view, that opens up possibilities. Possibilities that oftentimes we can't get to as long as we're in the, I'm gonna push back against this. Does that make sense? Some of you are nodding and I think maybe I'm only talking to myself this, this morning. Um, it's a powerfully different way of interacting with a negative situation or a situation of, of attack. There are times, as I keep going back to that quote because I think that's so powerful and so helpful, there are times that we do need to be strong and 
very directive and entering in in the right kind of way, but there are also times that we've got to be much more like that circle and be able to come around so that we can see something different. And in the seeing something di different, we open ourselves to new and different options. I'm going to close with just a very, very quick mention of something that, that um, George Leonard writes about in his book on Aikido, and it's how he talks about Aikido off the mat. It reminds me of meditation. We talk about um, meditation on the mat, which to me is meditation in the formal practice. But to me, the power of meditation is not meditation on the mat. It's what happens because of having been on the mat. I get off the mat. I got out of my formal practice, but I have been changed by my formal practice so that I'm able to meet the situations in my life with a clearer mind and a more open heart. But he talks about guidelines on the art of blending in relationships. And he says, number one, blend from a grounded and centered stance. Blend from a grounded and centered stance, whether a physical or a verbal attack, to place your attention at your core and be able to, when you need to have that difficult conversation or you need to, to, to meet with that person that's a challenge to you, to make sure that as you are, think about blending, that you do so from a grounded and centered state. He says, don't over blend. And um, in other words, don't take on responsibility that is not yours. Don't take on blame that is not not yours, don't overblend. He says, when you overblend, you're actually bringing the attention back to yourself rather than truly looking at the situation from the attacker's point of view. You honor your own viewpoint, you honor your own viewpoint, while also being willing and able to see from the other's viewpoint. Third, he says, is to avoid the overuse of blending with your mate, family, and friends, it'll drive them crazy. I liked that. He was very practical. Over, avoid the overuse of blending with your mate, family, and close friends. I have had some of the most difficult challenges dealing with customer service on this ongoing saga of a refrigerator we've been trying to place. And what comes to mind is the scripted way some people are trained in customer service to overblend. Oh, yes, I understand, Miss Wendy. I, it's like, no, you don't understand, right? So anyway, he says, avoid the, over, avoid the overuse of blending with your mate, family, and close friends because it's not a manipulative technique. As soon as we think of we're doing this to get the other to do something else, then we're not coming from a place where it's really going to work. It's going to fall flat. And the fourth, he says, if you're going to blend, do it wholeheartedly. Boy, is this so evident in the actual practice of Aikido. If you're going to do a move, you can't be wishy-washy with it. Even though the move is not a move of, of attack, if you're going to come into the energy of attack that's coming at you and try to blend with it and move around it, you'd better not do it half-heartedly. So the idea is to really be mindful and fully present in the process of, of doing it. So if you're going to blend, do it wholeheartedly. So in closing, I, I hope that, well, first of all, I hope you, you don't think I'm trying to get you to do a martial art, because I'm, I'm not. But what I am trying to say is these techniques or these teachings work, whether we're looking at how they express through a martial art like Aikido, 
or we're actually committed to practicing them off the mat, in our work environments, in our home environments, in our, in our neighborhoods. There is, I think the times that you and I are living in are really calling for all of us to become as skillful as we can in the way we respond to what's going on in the world. It's not a time to fall asleep. It's not a time to use outdated methods of, of force and control. It's also not a time to lose our own genuine, authentic spiritual power and voice. We need to use it. And so any of the ideas that, that we resonate with in a message like this that we can apply and use in our lives can really make a difference not only for us and the people that we really love and care about, but can also make a difference, I believe, in making this world a little bit better for other people. God bless. Namaste.